This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. We're a couple of days away from Kentucky's inauguration day and later we'll air stories about former Governor Steve Beshear and former First Lady Jane Beshear's best hopes for their son, Governor-elect Andy Beshear. We'll also hear from outgoing Governor Matt Bevan and Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton who leave office after making history. All that ahead, but first, Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton is here to update us on happenings in the city. Earlier in the fall, Gordon announced a surplus and a raise for city employees, at least a bonus, as the city twinkles for the holidays with all sorts of celebrations. There's also the less uh, glamorous issue of fines for sewer problems and a recycling issue we'll talk about. What's going to happen with City Hall? Will there be a new one? Does Lexington have to keep patching up the old hotel that was uh, supposed to be temporary 40 years ago? And we'll get the mayor to clear up uh, the questions about recycling this morning. Mayor Gordon joining us. We appreciate you coming in and welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You just went through a whole list of things. <laughs> a lot going on, yes, right? Yes, there but, it is. Uh, as we approach the end of a new year, and you just said to me, <laughs> it has flown by. Uh, how do you look at your first year in office? Well, we accomplished a lot. I sort of didn't want it to go so fast. I, I love my job. It's a great fit for me. And so um, I think it really went fast because we have so many things going on. And they just, you know, every day is full. And so it's, it has flown. And I have a terrific team you know, the success of every leader is built on their team because the team members are what keep, you know, keep it rolling. And I have a fantastic team. You insisted on some belt tightening early on. You mm -hmm. said we're not going to raise taxes. We're going to uh, tighten things up. And as a result, uh, the budget <coughs> picture has improved and uh, you were able to, uh, to, to give some bonuses, right? Well, yes, we, we had a fund balance. And really, we would not have had a fund balance left over from the budget if we had not tightened our belts. That's, that was how it really was uh, created. And so we were able to give our employees a supplement right here before Christmas. They each got a check, and um, they're very appreciative. They, I, I even have gotten emails from employees thanking me. Many of them had to pick up some slack because of yes. the belt tightening, right? Yes, yeah. they're working with fewer people. We've got positions frozen, and so they're working harder. Let's talk about uh, some of the challenges out there. Uh, the recycling center, there is some confusion about uh, this. There'll be a two-week shutdown <coughs> in January to make some improvements, right? But yes. still no paper recycling. So where are things? Not quite yet. So January 6th for two weeks, we're going to close down the recycling center. We fondly refer to it as the MRF. Um, and it is to install new equipment and do some upgrades, which will make our recycling better in the long run. And we're asking people if they have a place to do it to hold on to their recyclables just for that two-week period and then put them out and they'll be picked up as usual. We've been working really hard on the paper 
and I get asked about paper recycling everywhere I go because it's important to people and we are just on the verge of announcing, we haven't yet been able to announce it, but uh, the next step in paper recycling. So we've been intentionally moving forward on that. Uh, people have, you know, for a generation now, been taught to recycle mm -hmm. and, and find it very important, and you teach children to do that and yes. to, to do uh, as best you can to be stewards of the environment. So it has to be frustrating for you to be in this predicament. Yes, and it's hard to throw away a piece of paper, right? Right. So we had a pilot inside government. The issue with paper is it has to be clean. It can't be contaminated with the liquid out of a can that you might recycle or something like that. It's not recyclable if it gets contaminated. So we had a successful pilot inside government and now we'll soon move to the next step. Major long-term sewer improvement programs are, are underway throughout the city. Uh, however, you're, the city's getting fined some because mm -hmm. there are problems from time to time in terms of overflow. Yes. Um, you pay the fines and go on? We do. You know, it, I want people to understand many of these overflows are created because people put grease in their, down their sink or tree roots grow into the pipes and block them. So, you know, when people are planting trees or when they're discarding the remnants of dinner, they need to be very thoughtful about not putting grease down the, down the uh, sink. You can let it harden and put it in the trash, put it in a container and then throw it away. So some of this is created just by everyday practices and um, we have to pay the fines. There is a paramedicine program, paramedicine <laughs> program that is going on. You come from a, a background in medicine. You know that uh, so many people uh, are recurrently uh, being transported to hospitals. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive for the EMS and, and uh, you have a program in the city uh, that you're assisting with uh, yes. in, in helping uh, people uh, be more likely to stay home. Yes, these are people who are frequent callers of 911. But when 911 and the ambulance gets there, they discover it's not an emergency. So this paramedicine program was initially funded by a grant, and the grant ran out, and we found ourselves in a very tight budget. So the most wonderful thing that we've been working on for this program is that the three major hospitals are coming together to fund it. And this is a program where the paramedics and, um, you know, social workers, they go to the homes of these people who call 911 frequently and they're proactive about visiting them. It has dramatically cut the 911 calls for runs with this group of people. So it's already very successful. Do you intend to try to keep that yes. funding going? Lexington, you know, is seen as a, a very safe city. Uh, it stands out to, uh, across the nation for that. And yet this year, the number of shootings and homicides uh, has startled people. Uh, how sustained is the effort by the city to uh, try to reduce violence on the streets? It is probably our number one priority because as you know if you don't have a safe neighborhood or feel safe in your community you can't participate in other things and we have ramped up our efforts with a new program called Safety Net where teams of police and um, faith community, social workers, 
we are including a convicted felon on the team who's been clean and sober and good for many years to go to the homes of people who've experienced violence to give the message that we, we know you've been impacted and we have resources where we can send you. And this is already in the works and it's already being successful. They've linked up one young man who's been involved with violence in one of these uh, families and one of the churches has adopt, adopted him to be sure that, you know, education-wise, school-wise, um, what, whatever his needs are, they're looking out after him to try to, you know, bring him from a, heading on to a violent path to a better path in life. It's, it's extremely intense work. It sounds like it is, and it certainly is something that pe people are watching. I mean, I yes. know you hear about the concerns, yes. about the about the troubles. We're with Lexington's Mayor Linda Gorton. Her first year in office is uh, coming to an end. She's been in office before in different ones in City Hall. <laughs> We're going to come back in just a moment. We'll talk about this spectacular time of the year in the city and a lot uh, else is going on, whatever legislative agenda Lexington might have for Frankfurt when we come back. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're glad you're along with us today. We're also glad that Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton is joining us right here at the holidays, a, a spectacular time in the city. It's a wonderful time. How important is it, uh, you know, the, the decorations go up, the, the parade is uh, being held, there are uh, all sorts of other events uh, throughout the community. How important is that uh, to residents? Oh, I think it's real important, and, and at the tree lighting last weekend, we had... the. Triangle Park was packed. People love to celebrate and they love this time of the year. It's for most people it's an exciting time. It's a happy time. Children get excited and you know our city's a wonderful place with very generous people and uh, we need to celebrate all those things. The parade this year moved to a weekend morning yes. after many years of being at night. Uh, why that decision? Well, one of the things was that um, night times are hard for families. And um, we, you know, I think everyone felt that daytime in the morning would be a better attended event. Many people will be able to come and, you know, it won't hype the children up and they can't go to bed, <laughs> that sort of thing. It, I think it was a pretty practical good, good thing. And if I recall, we used to do that many years ago. We had it on a Saturday. And so I think it will be very good for, for people. So the many out uh, shopping, uh, spending money, going to these grand parties, and yet we know we live in a community where there also are less fortunate and uh, homeless, underprivileged. Uh, how important is it that uh, the city continue to keep that in mind and address those issues? Well, these are people we're talking about, and the city should always be focused on its people. And I know that over Thanksgiving there were churches that served meals to the homeless, and you know, we're a very giving, generous community, and speaking of all of that, the Good Giving campaign's going on right now, and people are stepping up to the plate to give to these nonprofits and charities that serve our people. And so there are 
many opportunities for folks to give at this time of the year, and they do, and it helps those who are less fortunate. Uh, the legislature will uh, be taking up mm -hmm. here in a few weeks. There will be a new governor inaugurated on Tuesday in, uh, in Andy Bashir, who is a, a native of Lexington. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a, a wish list for, for Lexington when it comes to the legislature, or is it uh, don't do us any harm? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it could be a little of each, but I think that communicating with them is so important. I started doing that my first month in office this year. I went to Frankfurt several times, met our legislators, met with the governor, met with those folks who can impact our situation here in Lexington. I actually invite our legislative delegation here in Fayette County, I invite them to meet with me. We have good discussions about our needs. We have needs, everything from transportation needs to uh, you know, funding for other projects, and and we like to help them understand that local control of local issues is very important to us. There's no one who knows better what a community needs than the people who live there and make the policies there. And yet the legislature can be very preemptive in that. They make a lot of rules that say the local governments mm -hmm. can't make those decisions. Yes, and they, I mean, they have the right to do that. And this is where I think that conversation, communication, and preparation ahead of time is so helpful. The new transportation secretary will be former Lexington Mayor Jim Gray. Yes. I assume you have uh, his phone number. I, I do have his phone number, <laughs> interestingly enough, and he certainly knows Fayette County well and I think will do a, a good job in that position. And so, you know, we're really fortunate to have people who are willing to step up at the state level and and do these things. Lexington is a thriving, vibrant community and we always want to be sure we're doing things that support that, support our jobs and support our transportation and our our social services issues with people. Winter weather's coming. Uh, I think it's here, Bill. <laughs> it's somebody has been here already, and we've had, and you know, the week ahead looks very cold. Uh, it looks like potential snow events. We know that uh, that you have been uh, sort of ramping up for that. There's yes. a new salt barn. Yes, we've built a new big salt barn, and it will help us distribute salt, particularly in the southern parts of Fayette County, and it will supplement the other salt barn that we have that's more toward the north central part of the of the county and so we're ready I, now I'm not inviting the snow to come <laughs> but but I think we're ready as you look forward to your uh, next year in office and a mm -hmm. brand new year uh, what would be your goal for 2020 well we have a lot of things that we have moved on that were priorities of of mine when I first came into office the ag tech initiative is moving forward quickly to draw jobs here in the ag tech area. We are just about to stand up our opioid multidisciplinary work group to create our strategy. We've worked all year on getting that to a place that we can start it. I um, am ramping up the Sustainable Growth Task Force, which will set some parameters for how we grow. And we're going to open a new canine police canine facility 
next year. There is just, there's a lot going on. And we're, we're working on budget issues. Uh, I have worked with the council all year to look at the way we do our budget. We've been really doing it the same way since merger, pretty much. And so the council has been willing to uh, make a few changes that I requested to make it more efficient. And we're looking at finances. And then the big thing inside government is Rethink Lex where our own employees are making suggestions for efficiencies. And you'll figure out City Hall at some point, we'll right? We'll get there. <laughs> Mayor, thank you for coming. We <laughs> appreciate it very much. Me. Hope you stay with us. We'll have some pieces looking ahead to Inauguration Day in Kentucky coming up on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're glad you're here. This week will be one of transition here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Governor Matt Bevan will be leaving office after an election defeat last month. WKYT's Garrett Weimer had a chance to sit down with the governor and talk about the past four years. Governor Matt Bevan says some things take more than four, even more than eight years to fix. Pension problem, this, the pension is failing and it's going to fail. Governor, hey guys, how are you? Yet as time winds down on Governor Bevan's term in office, he knows what he's most proud of. We've shown Kentucky what good government looks like. We've shown Kentucky what, what quality, uh, ethical government looks like. Still, in his closing days, he says he doesn't spend much time looking in the rearview mirror. Instead, he sorts through request after request for pardons and commutations. And I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Bevan acknowledges his bluntness and combativeness rubbed many the wrong way all along, but insists it's because of the things he fought for. Right to work, pension reform, cutting regulations, school choice. I didn't need this job badly enough to lie to people in order to get it. I really didn't. And so I said I would fight for those things, and we did. And people were outraged and offended from day one. A lot has been made of your uh, relationship with your lieutenant governor, Jeanine Hampton. Um, in an interview um, with us, she told us she did not vote for you. What um, is your relationship like with her now? She's a good person. I love her. I, I, I love her as a friend. She's somebody who I have such respect for her life story and what she's done. I chose her to run with me very intentionally because she embodies so much of what we want people to aspire to. Um, but I think her legacy will be what her legacy is, and it, it may not be what she had hoped it would be. Now, as a new administration is set to take this office, Bevan says he wishes the best for Andy Bashir and the Commonwealth as a whole. At the state capitol, Garrett Weimer, WKYT. Now, the governor did not rule out running for political office again, though he said he does not plan to do that right now. He says he is looking forward to being back in the private sector. And Janine Hampton is in the final days as the lieutenant governor as well. Four years ago, she made history as the first African-American elected to statewide office. But the term came with some turmoil and conflicts with Governor Bevan. And WKYT's Hillary Thornton talked with the Lieutenant Governor Hampton as she looks back on the ups and downs of her time in office. I still remember that conversation like it was yesterday. A lot happening between that conversation of Matt Bevan asking Janine Hampton to be his running mate about five years ago and where she sits now. Did you vote for Governor Bevin? I did not. 
I did not. I did not like the way my people were treated. Back in the spring, the typically quiet lieutenant governor putting out a now famous tweet asking for prayers as she, quote, battled dark forces. That prompted by the firing of her chief of staff and deputy chief of staff without any input from Hampton. That move coming months after Governor Bevin filed for re-election with a new running mate. It's normal that's in its governor's prerogative who his running mate is. And I told people, don't be angry that he didn't choose me as his running mate. I'm not angry about that. I'm not, that's not the, the piece I'm angry about. She says it was Bevin's treatment of people that was tough for her to understand, specifically the handling of her staff and her feelings about that. All things that she thinks made a difference in his narrow loss of about 5,000 votes. I think I could have made that up and, and then some. The lieutenant governor says as she watches all of the preparations take place out here for inauguration day, it brings back a lot of the feelings that surrounded her own inauguration. She says those feelings are far different from what she's experienced in the last part of her term. The entire day was just it was just magic and there was so much energy and so much goodwill. And if you would have told me on that day that it, that it would have ended this way uh, in my final year, I certainly would never have scripted the year this way. And if we were doing a TV series, no one would believe it. <laughs> Despite what she says has been a strange year, she stayed committed to her initiatives, proud of several projects she started, including a high school entrepreneurship challenge, a middle school girls STEM challenge, Kentucky Aerospace Industry Consortium, and about 200 school visits throughout the state. If I have inspired someone to dream more than they, they would have otherwise, and to maybe reach a little further than these, this four years have, has been so worth that, so worth the effort. She made history as the first African-American elected to statewide office, and she made several headlines through the ups and downs with Governor Bevin but she hopes there is more to what she's remembered for. I hope they remember that I really came in with a heart to serve and that I actually served. At the state capitol, Hillary Thornton, WKYT. Ann Hampton says she is continuing to pray about what is next for her. She says at this point she doesn't know that answer. And Governor-elect Andy Beshear will make history this week when he is inaugurated Tuesday. He and former Governor Steve Beshear will be the first father and son to be elected to the state's highest office. WKYT Sam Dick sat down with the former governor and former First Lady Jane Beshear to talk about their son growing up in politics, a rough campaign this year, and their advice to the next governor and first lady. It'll certainly be an unusual Christmas because uh, this first time it's happened in Kentucky's history that a father and son have both been governors of this state. The Bashir family, by any measure, had a pretty special year. Steve and Jane celebrated 50 years of marriage last May. On the very same day, their son Andy won the Democratic nomination for governor. And they were on stage last month for his victory night celebration. Thank you, Kentucky. Is, you know, there's not a, even a big enough word to say how we <laughs> felt that night. Wow. As Jane said, they're, they're really not a big enough word to, uh, to cover uh, your feelings. Um, you know, to see somebody that you've raised to end up, you know, in that position, it, it's just amazing. From an early age, Andy Bashir grew up in a family immersed in politics. His father was a state lawmaker, state attorney general, lieutenant governor, and two-term governor. At what point did you think Andy might be headed 
for politics. From the day he was born. <laughs> you know, he's just always, this has always been an interest of his. All through his um, junior high and high school, he was so active in all those types of um, activities that had to do with government, even as a young person. He majored in political science and ended up helping Steve in all of his campaigns. And then The Bashirs have experienced the pain of losing a statewide race. But the pain they didn't fully expect came from the harsh words in the campaign directed at their son and family. Governor Bevan tweeted last July, for those Kentuckians who did not get enough corruption, self-dealing, embezzlement, and bribery during the eight corrupt years of Governor Steve Bashir, his son Andy is now offering a chance for four more years of the same. That was hard to take, I'll tell you. You know, and it's one thing to hear someone say that about your husband, or and even worse to say it about your son. So, uh, you know, Sam, I'm sorry, sometimes we just had to turn it off. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when these things were said about you and your family, I don't remember either one of you coming out publicly and making a big deal about, well, no, this isn't true. No, and we did that on purpose because uh, if I had stepped out and started defending us, then the race becomes about him and me. And it wasn't about me, it was about Andy Bashir, and it had to stay focused on Andy Bashir. Their son's victory has taken some of the sting away. Both parents have offered advice for the new governor and for the first lady and their two small children. Don't try to do the things that I did because Steve and I had no children. It was just us, and I had the time to be able to do. Brittany's most important job are those two children, Will and Lila, to make sure that they get the best education and that they are well-adjusted. They believe their son will lead with compassion and a willingness to cross party lines, crucial since both houses of the legislature are controlled by Republicans. He's making sure that people remember that after an election, we're Kentuckians first and Democrats and Republicans second. With Christmas just a few weeks off, the Bashir family has a lot to feel thankful for. What a gift, you know, to be able to have your son be the, <clears throat> the next governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Best president, I don't think we've got a tree big enough to put that <laughs> gift underneath. <laughs> Sam Dick with that report. And we want to thank you for joining us for Kentucky Newsmakers. We will have Inauguration Day coverage throughout the day Tuesday. Have a good week ahead.